Hello, everybody, and welcome once again. As we uh, are going to start a brand new series called Give Thanks, kind of a good time of year to get involved in that, just finishing the Thanksgiving uh, weekend up. And uh, this is also part of our uh, Encouragers Plan sort of set of series that we're doing uh, that revolve around the ministry of encouragement, trying to really build a solid foundation for getting everybody focused in on the ministry we feel the Lord has called us to, this ministry of encouragement. And, and uh, along the way, we're, we're having you in each of these series uh, encouraging you to memorize some verses. I hope some of you have been able to do that. Uh, and if not, it's another opportunity coming up with this series. But um, in our encouragers plan, we've talked so far about getting focused, which is Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And we had a, a verse a week that we learned through that. And then we talked about taking a stand uh, and as part of our encouragers plan, Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. And we did that a week at a time. And then the last series we had was called Get Connected, and we looked at the Lord's Prayer, which most of you already knew, so you were thankful for that one. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, most of you got that. Now we're moving into the idea of giving thanks, which is part of our Encouragers plan about being thankful every day for five things and looking at some underlying scripture to remind us of, of the power of that and why that's so important. And so we're going to be using uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 8, as the foundation for this series. And I want to encourage you to memorize those verses. And uh, this week we'll learn verses 4 and 5, next week 6 and 7, and the following week verse 8. So they're not real long, but they are very powerful verses. These will be great for you to have in your heart and in your, in your mind so that the Spirit can quicken them to you as uh, he needs them. And there's, there's something very powerful in the idea of being thankful, that the attitude of gratitude is, a, is an amazingly powerful spiritual weapon and one that we definitely need to have in our culture and in our world. And, um, and so I want to encourage you to memorize these verses. Now, even if you haven't done Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 or Ephesians 6, 12 through 18, don't be discouraged. Start with these. Because you've got the Lord's Prayer, right? And so you can say, okay, here's a, here's a start I'm going to try. And all of you can memorize these and, and you can get them down. Um, and you have a whole week to learn them, uh, you know, a, a section of them. And I just want to encourage you. It's a, it's a powerful tool. It's very important. And it's really good for you in your study to memorize some Scripture. So Philippians 4, 4 through 8 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable... If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And like I said, today we're going to look at um, verses 4 and 5 in particular. And uh, what we're going to talk about is being joyful. Philippians 4, 4 and 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's the, that's the way I want you to memorize it in the NIV. Um, in the New Century Version, just for the point of this message, it says it this way. 
Be full of joy in the Lord always. I will say again, be full of joy. Let everyone see that you are gentle and kind. The Lord is coming soon. I just kind of like that uh, paraphrase about the idea of what it means to be full of joy and that as a response to that or as an action that happens because of that, people ought to be able to see that you're gentle and kind. And uh, this again ties into this whole ministry of encouragement. When you are going out of your way to remember to be thankful and to encourage people, hopefully you're being gentle and kind. Because what can happen very quickly is we can get very self-focused in this world and people don't evidence our gentleness or our kindness very often because we get all about us and we don't come off that way. Has that ever happened? Anybody here ever get a little sharp with anybody else? <laughs> ever a little get a little sarcastic with somebody else? Uh, we have to be aware of it. And, you know, we have to be aware of the fact that if we, if we don't break out of that shell, we begin to look at people as either part of the scenery or the machinery of our lives. And that's, whenever you're doing that, you're off track. Because when people become scenery, they just blend into the background, you don't notice them. When they become part of the machinery, they're just there to serve you. And if something doesn't go right, then you, you get all kind of snappy with them. It's like, you know, when you go in to get a fast food meal, if it suddenly isn't fast food anymore, how do you treat the people that are there? Because it's funny how irritated we can get, isn't it? When our burger doesn't come out in 60 seconds. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> but, you know, it's not very evident of your gentleness and kindness at that moment. So, we need to be uh, full of joy. Now, that, that word joyful, I think, has a, a little interesting twist to it. Because I don't mean that you're supposed to run around pretending that you're happy all the time. Because I think that's weird, too. Um, <laughs> so that's just my opinion. But when I see somebody that's overly happy all the time, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. Because there's, there's, there's a difference. And the idea of being joyful is sort of this gentleness and kindness thing that, that exudes from us. There's something about us understanding that God loves us and that Jesus is coming back for us soon, like that verse says, that's supposed to help us um, be full of joy regardless of circumstances in our lives. And again, uh, joy and happy are, are a little bit different. Um, happiness um, depends on happenstance. That's how that word comes, which is circumstance. And joy is a deeper thing that comes from knowing um, who you are in Christ. So that in the midst of circumstances that aren't going well, you can still maintain a level of joy without necessarily feeling happy. And that's the difference. Now, sometimes joy and happiness go together. But there's, there's also this, this different sort of understanding that we need to be aware of. And um, the, the, the fact is that when we get consumed by sort of the events around us, even as Christians, there's, there's a lot of believers that aren't living lives that would be called joyful. And, and you know, it's not hard to do. There's, we live on a fallen, broken planet, and there's a lot of things that we can call killjoys that happen around us that we need to be aware of, and that's what we need to look at. Now, in the book of Philippians, 
um, the idea of joy is is one that re, uh, that occurs often throughout the chapters. And um, I love the the book be, primarily because when Paul wrote it, he's in prison, so that always adds a lot to it to me because of the venue that he's writing from. Uh, it fascinates me that he could be sitting in prison writing this particular book about joy, but he is nonetheless. And um, he he talks a lot about the importance of being joyful and maintaining our joy. And I want to use uh, to sort of accentuate verses 4 and 5, um, 10 verses out of the beginning of chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. Because in those verses, I think Paul gives us some ideas or... Uh, He calls them safeguards about maintaining our joy in a difficult world. And uh, in verse 1 it says, Finally, my brothers, uh, Philippians 3, Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. So he introduces these ten verses about joy by saying, I'm going to expand on it again because this is an important part of the Christian walk. You need to, to know what it means to be full of joy in the Christian life. And and so there's these three tools that I think he gives us, or safeguards, if you will, that if we're aware of, it can help us to maintain our joy in the Lord. And the first one, so first point in your bulletin, is, is that we have to watch out for the Pharisee in me. The Pharisee in me. Not me, but you. You know what I mean? When you write it down. I never know how to put there. So that you, you get that I'm talking about you personally. Because <laughs> not everybody needs to be watching out for the Pharisee and Steve. I can handle that. So it's a full-time job, but I don't need any help. So Paul goes in this in verses 2 through 6. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence... In the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Um, in, in verses 2 through 6 there, Paul is talking about um, the big problem of Phariseeism. And Phariseeism is a, is a word I, I'm just using that you could replace for legalism. And Phariseeism or legalism is a serious killjoy in the Christian life. And, and the bottom line problem with Phariseeism or legalism is that it corrupts the focus of your life. And instead of focusing on all that God has done for you, your focus shifts onto what you have to do for God. And at that moment, you lose your joy. And it, it happens all the time. And we have to be constantly on guard for the trap of Phariseeism and legalism. Because that once that shift occurs, there's no joy left. And, and so, um, this has been a problem for thousands of years um, for people of God and we've had this discussion a lot in, in our studies during the week on the New Testament about the Pharisees because it would be very easy to write the Pharisees off as evil and just dismiss them as an evil group of people. And yet, they didn't start out that way. And I, I've told you this, but it's worth hearing this because you've got to hear the trap. The Pharisees started with good intent. 
And a couple hundred years before the time of Christ, they, they got together in order to protect Judaism from being Hellenized, which means from being corrupted by the Greek culture that was prevalent. And so they got together to protect Judaism. And so they had a noble purpose. And yet, over time, in order to do that, they began to resort to rules and regulations, which is what people tend to do over time in their zeal. And what they lose in the process is the idea of grace. And once you lose the idea of grace, there's no joy left. They, they, they have to be together. To experience joy, you have to have grace in your life. In fact, you can trace them back to the same root word. They, they don't exist. If, if you're not a person that receives grace and extends grace, you're not a joyful person. And so we, we have to be vigilant of the trap of legalism and Phariseeism. And how do we know when it's coming on us? Um, we, we tend to get very self-righteous. And what we do is we start comparing ourselves to others. And we use that thing I taught you about some weeks ago in a couple of these series. I brought it up. And it's a, it's a device that I told you that most of us operate with in our own legalism. And it was called the sin scale. Do you remember? And I said it was a Steveism, so it's not you're not going to be looking in the Bible in your index for sin scale because it's not in there. It's a Steveism, and what a sin scale is is that we tend to um, measure sin as being little sins and big sins. And and the problem is Scripture doesn't handle sin that way. Sin is sin, and yet we we start measuring sin and and. The more self-righteous we get, the smaller our sin, we think, is, and the bigger everybody else's sin is. And that even in the New Testament, we look at um, that the, at that point in time, and in every culture, in every sort of season of culture, they have um, sin, and then they have like the very worst sins. And at the time uh, of the New Testament, they had sinners and they had tax collectors. And the tax collectors were worse than sinners because they were considered to be traitors. And so there was a whole other group of sinners that got their own title. And the Pharisees wouldn't have anything to do with them. They would, they almost could tolerate the sinners, but not the tax collectors because they were just off the charts. See this sin scale. They were so, so they wouldn't let them in the synagogue. They wouldn't let them into church. They wouldn't let them in their homes. No uh, God-fearing Jewish person would allow a tax collector. So when Jesus came and started inviting them into parties and hanging out with them and making them his disciples, they, they couldn't hardly stand it. But see, Jesus operated in grace. And he extended grace. And, and that's where joy comes from. So we have to be vigilant with this whole process. And, and, and if we're slipping into legalism, we stop loving people and we start judging them. And so if you, and, and then especially if you begin to relate to someone based on how you label them, you're not loving them at all. Uh, you, you have to see past their sin to, and remember this term from before, to the beauty of their potential. You've got to look at people and see the beauty of their potential because that's what Jesus did. Whenever Jesus looked at someone, he saw the beauty of their potential. He never condoned sin. I'm not giving sin a pass. I'm not. But, but if we deal with people based on their sin label rather than in grace, we'll never lead them to Jesus. There's no reason to come, which is what happened to the Pharisees. No one was coming to God because there was no reason to. They'd made it impossible. There was no grace. There was no way in. They'd never be good enough. 
never make it. So they just quit trying. They started to pretend a little bit, but there was nothing left. And so we, we, we move into not a self-righteousness, but a true righteousness, which sees the beauty of people's potential, is filled with grace, and is always displayed in love. There's always a, a love component. Self-righteousness always has an element of hate. Sometimes it looks, but it's, there's always this underlying hate. And it's never the way that the Lord would have us move. So it starts there. We have to be aware of that. We always have to be aware of slipping into the Pharisee role because it will steal our joy. Second, profit and loss. Profit and loss. Uh, Philippians 3, 7 through 9. But whatever is to my profit, Paul said, I now consider loss... For the sake of Christ. I like to consider this Paul's profit and loss statement. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Remind me not to use that again. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, and is by faith. Another big killjoy that we have to worry about is getting our priorities upside down. And so we need to consider, like Paul did, what's profit and what's loss. And, and so we have to be evaluating all the time what's really important in life. So for many people, they don't experience any joy in their life because their priorities are all backwards. Um, and, and so we have to ask ourselves... This question, are you more focused on the temporary or the eternal? Are you, are you more focused on, on what's going to last or what's not going to last? And, and so, you know, you have to ask yourself the question, I think, is what lasts forever? And, and we need to often ask this question. And the answer to that question, what lasts forever, is your relationship with God. And your relationship with other people in relationship with God. That's it. That's eternal. Everything else is temporary. And yet, we're driven by our culture to be focused on the temporary rather than the eternal. And we sacrifice the most important thing for the less important thing all the time. And whenever we do, we lose our joy. So unless your priority is God and people, you're going to experience a loss of joy. Because you don't find it there. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have to be concerned with the temporary, because we do. We live in the temporary, and so we, we have to work, we have to do other things. But it can't become our priority. We can't be driven by the things of the world. We, we have to have our focus on the things of God. And, and so those things need to be a priority, and we have to routinely examine those things. That's one of the reasons I encourage you to be thankful for at least five things every day. I think it helps bottom line that priority. What really matters. Because if you're not focused on what you're thankful for, you tend to be focused on what you don't have, and there's no joy there. But there's great joy to be found in what really matters. And what really matters is what lasts forever. Your relationship with God and your relationship with people and relationship with God. Or your Efforts of ministry to try and bring those people that you love into relationship with God so that you can have relationship forever. These are the things that really matter in life. 
And when we have our priorities right, we experience joy. Um, so, you know, every day when I start by being thankful, I know it impacts me in a good way. Because I can really get focused on the other stuff quite easily. So I start every day being thankful for five things. You see them if you go to the website. I, get, I start every day thinking about what I'm thankful for. And it's almost always got something to do with the, what God's doing in my life or being around my family, my, you know, my kids, my friends, the church, things that matter. And, and not that every once in a while some neat things get thrown in there that are temporary, but that's okay. You get to enjoy life, but it's your priorities that really matter. And so we have to look at that profit and loss. You need to take regular profit and loss analysis of your life uh, in order to maintain your joy. Third thing Paul tells us is that I want to know Christ. The beginning of Philippians 3.10 says that I want to know Christ. To maintain your joy, to be joyful, our number one priority needs to be to know Christ. To know Him better, to know Him more. And, and how do we do that? Spend time with Him. Any relationship that's important to you, you cultivate. If, if someone's important to you, you spend time with them. And it's the same thing with Jesus. You spend time with Him. You make Him a priority. You, you, you focus. Part of the encourager's plan is to remind you every day of the importance of who Jesus is in your life and to get that focus right. And, and so we pray. We, we've talked about getting connected and how important it is to, to pray. We, I'm, I'm always encouraging you to memorize verses, to, to read, to study, to memorize God's Word, to spend time in it, to, to look at it. And, you know, it doesn't have to be Herculean efforts. Minutes spent in connection will change your life. And, and then draw you in for more time. And, and it's the best thing in, in life that you can do. Be thankful for five things every day. And, you know, if you're having a really bad day, be thankful for 50 things. I'm serious. Stop and start writing. You'd be surprised how, how helpful it is. Um, so every now and again, I'll, I'll go longer. I think, oh, but... Write them down. Think about them. It'll change the way that you feel about life. Be thankful if I encourage two people. All these things help us to, to know Jesus better. And it's, it's only in Him that we ever experience the type of joy uh, and, and the joy-filled life that He created us for. And so these are things that we need to be aware of and that we work through and that I hope as you learn these verses, um, these sort of things will trigger in you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. When you think about those verses as you memorize them, think about it. How, how am I doing? Am, am I checking on the Pharisee? Got my priorities right today? I'm getting focused on Jesus. That's what should happen. Because that's how we maintain a joy-filled life in the Lord. And having said that, we'll finish for today. If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. Uh, if you need anything, let us know. You can call us or write us. God bless you guys up in Williston. And uh, we'll go from there, but we're going to close tonight in prayer here. Father, thank you.